The following is an archived podcast presented by the Branson and Hudson Foundation for Podcast Recovery. This podcast is entitled The Class Act. It is the first and only episode of the podcast. Welcome to episode one. An old black and white photograph. The gridiron in winter. The men are ready to fight. It is football, and you play to win. You play for pride, and that's it. Loser goes home with a bloody nose. It's 1921, and every single man in the world is five feet, two inches tall. A level playing field. Your defensive tackle weighs a buck seventy, sopping wet, and he's wearing a big leather diaper on his head to protect the one brain cell he has that hasn't been destroyed by leaded gasoline. A college gym in a sepia photograph. Men with bird chests labor to toss a leather-basketed ball into a peach basket. The game is new and fresh, untainted by baggy clothes and layups. If anyone even thinks to touch the rim, they are shot on sight. Everyone is just afraid of two things. Losing the ball game and polio. The final score, 0-0. Zero to zero. Another barn burner filled with accurate chest passes and the thinnest little basketball shorts you've ever seen in a, your life. Like satin, but somehow not. A black and white drawing of a baseball game taking place. Everyone is arguing about who invented baseball so they know to who to get mad at. Eighteen men in their pajamas stand around and figure out the healthiest way to put the max amount of tobacco into their bodies. Everyone has gloves that are just made out of dead armadillos. It's a brief respite from the cold realities of the time, the Civil War. After the game, both teams go back to their respective armies and die from dysentery the next day. Welcome to the Class Act, the golden age of sports and the greatest generation of people who love the athletes of the golden age and therefore beyond. This radio show is to bring you back to the good old days, back when men were men and everyone was an alcoholic. And the fastest guy in the world could just be a fat guy and no one really thought any two cents about it. It was just a better time for sportsmanship. My name is Coach Atorvastatin and I am joined today by my co-host, Gerald Geranium, how you doing? Coach is a little bit, a uh, little bit long-winded. I thought maybe the title is a little bit long. We just this is sports talk with Coach and Jerry. You know, I maybe. like cl- class act, and I got, I had, I had the picture right. I know it's radio, but I had the picture that I said I wanted to be like a logo on like a website or something. Of it looked like. Like you know, the Oscar, the the golden statue, the Oscar for the movie award. Right, right, right. It was yeah. like that, but uh, he was holding a basketball in one hand, a football in the other, and it's like it's like timeless. It's like nostalgia. It's like things were better back then. It's kind of like the the Lady Justice balancing, but she's balancing football and basketball. It's absolutely nothing like that. It's a man. Well, I was saying, well, it's a man. It's a guy. Okay, yeah. It's a so it's a dude doing that. Okay, so. We're doing to be covering the history of sports today, um, going all the way back where it all started. We're good. We're very ha- we're very happy to welcome our guest today, uh, Doctor Argyle Brownsnake from the University of Arizona. Uh, Doctor Argyle, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell everyone who you, who you are, what you're all about. Hi, uh, just want to correct you. It's it's Arizona State University. <laughs> But uh, oh, go go go, Sun Devils! Yeah, <laughs> go go, Sun Devils! Great school. My kid goes there uh, every now and then. Yeah, most kids can go there if they uh, want to. Um, but my name's Argyle Brown Snake, Doctor Argyle Brown Snake. Uh, I'm currently sitting in a dormitory, a loft, you know, in a, in a little loft, and I'm I'm looking down in my room. And uh, let me introduce you to my to me and my philosophy here. I'm a professor of cheerleader studies. Uh, it's a department I made up, and I'm the only teacher. And uh, essentially, I am a descendant of Cundersnatch Brown Snake, who invented cheerleading back in the day. So I would oh, love wow. to go back in wow. time with you and talk about the history of sports. And maybe we can get a little bit into my field of study. Oh, absolutely. And uh, folks, we got, them in a, we got them calling in on the Skype. It's a brand new system we just got installed. Cost us a pretty penny, but it was worth it. Um, Dr. Argyle, John Snake, he's coming in to us from this dormitory. 
and he's a pioneer. A dormitory. Yeah, I, uh, he's a pioneer I in this field. I live in the dorms. Uh, most people have a house, but I choose to you know stay amongst it's the very kids. humble of you. I, I very humble of you. Yeah, I have a roommate. Well, how, if you don't mind me asking, how old would you be? Uh, well, I am fifty-eight, uh, but my roommate Raj is twenty. But we get along just fine, you know. It's a little bit of a mentor mentee oh, situation. A okay. Yeah. No, we can only see you on the the webcam, but you look much younger. You look great for your age. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of moisturizing uh, skincare techniques. I, I let's just say I learn a lot from the people I study, which are cheerleaders, and they take care of themselves, and I do too. Yeah, Definitely a subject a lot of people don't explore too often. Blinding and we don't hear white about. teeth, I can even see on the webcam there, Argyle. It's uh. Yeah, I got them bleached up yesterday, just right, right in the comfort of my room. Just dip my teeth in some bleach and let it uh, let it do its magic. Really? Oh, that's good. That's good. That's a good one there. I heard. My God, uh, that sounds kind of dangerous. Okay, all right. Hey, a little pain oh, in the well, not if, you, if it gets on your tongue, I think it's bad. But you know, the taste of it is not as bad as you would think, and it just leaves a little splotch. Just you know, when you smile, keep that tongue back in the mouth. No one will ever know you had bleach in there. Well, it's a sound advice. Uh, maybe let's get back. I, I'm satisfied with my curiosity on the dormitory stuff. Uh, tell us a little bit about um, your field of study. Say about your work. Well, uh, my work, essentially, I'm carrying on the legacy from my uh, great, great, great grandfather who started this whole dang cheerleading business. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to carry on his legacy. And just as every descendant of mine has sort of revolutionized this field of cheerleading i i hope to too so essentially my whole uh responsibility is keeping this legacy alive and bringing it into the to the next generation because cheerleaders they're kind of they're kind of a dying breed now they're bringing in these old folks at halftime make them dance around but I don't yeah. think anyone wants to see that. Doesn't that doesn't get anybody horny? Oh, it's disgusting. It reminds a me of my of, father. A lot of NBA will just have kids dance like child labor, like uh, you know, where is the people girls? Be, are kids sexy? I don't think so. What's the deal? Yeah, I mean, I'm at I'm at the b basketball game and I, I went there against my better judgment. I said I can just watch basketball on ESPN Classic, and they go out there and I'm at it's a uh, Pacers game and 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 I'm just like, where are the girls? Where are the girls? And they're like, we got rid of the girls. We got these kids to dance. And I immediately Look, got my fists up. I'm like, hey, what you saying about me, pal? What you saying I mean, you about gotta me? You got to think about it. People go to live sports games. Uh, you can watch any sport at home on the comfort of your lazy boy on the big, you know, the 70-inch. People go to sports games. They go to get nachos. They get a hot dog. Get some $20 beers in you. And then they want to see the cheerleaders. They want to see mascots yes. punch each other, and they want a T-shirt cannon shot at their face. Yeah, that's why people go to live sports. You know, you want something for the guys at a football game or a basketball game. You know, you got all this stuff, and sometimes you want something that's just for the guys. Have you ever seen a woman at a at a sports game sitting down watching the game? No, it's for guys. You know, the funny thing is, uh, we used to have guys as the cheerleaders. That was my uh, my great no. descendant's idea. You know, he was he, he went to Princeton, in fact, and he was walking around the field. You know, it was a good old football game, a little bit of uh, pigskin being thrown around. And he was walking around the sidelines. He looked out into the crowd, just full of beautiful boys there. And he's like, let's get those beautiful, big old boys right onto the field so, the, so we can enjoy them together. And that's how cheerleading started. It was all a fascination with these big old, beautiful boys. Kind of like, kind of like actors, like how the woman's role used to be played by, by men. Yeah. You know, the thing is about uh, this whole boy-girl cheerleader thing is eventually... We found out that my great-great-grandfather was a closeted homosexual man. And then we reversed the tides, and we got, we got the ladies in there, we got the boys, we got something for everybody. So, uh, when, when you said that cheerleading was founded right then, you mean like right when he saw those beautiful boys, he was like, come on down, get, come on down here, you can be on the grass and just cheer if you jump around and wear a matching outfit? Or, was it something so that, so it, yeah, it was a recruiting process where he had to go find boys to like get them to be beautiful at the side of the game? Well, you I, know, I, you know that, you know, if you're, if you're in the, in the, in the thrill you're experiencing the thrills and the chills of a football game so when asks you to come down to the field you're going to come down you want to be next to the yeah, action I'd come down 
I'd come down right then and there. Yeah. So you bring down the boys, give them a little plastic cone to yell through, and uh, give them a big old crew neck sweater with a single letter on it. <laughs> and, you know, they're just going to have a good time and everybody's going to enjoy it. So, so your great, 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 great grandfather, I don't know how many greats I'm missing or, uh, uh, or adding, but uh, so he, he liked these beautiful boys, but he realized the majority of people watching are going to be guys who want to see ladies. And he flipped it and he said, okay, we got to get some girls out there. How did he go about finding those girls? Well, that was actually two generations later, my uh, great grandfather, Chet. He's the one who decided, hey, maybe we should get the ladies involved. And everybody thought he was crazy. Like, why would we want to watch a lady, for God's sakes? We've got guys on the field. And it took a while, but... it's a good point. You strap a few skirts on these billies, bring them out in the field, and you can just ogle them all day. And no one's going to blame you. Your wife's not going to get mad at you. You're just looking at them. Oh, you barely have to pay them. Look at the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, why would... Okay, it's, it's... it's a football game. People pay thousands of dollars for these seats. You shouldn't have to pay someone to dance around on the field. They should pay you. Well, it's a it's a good reason, too, because usually if you look at a woman, your wife may get mad at you and say, why you're looking at it. But in the football game, you have a built-in excuse because those women, the cheerleaders, they're saying things at the same time as like in a chant. So you got to pay attention to figure out what the rest of the chant's going to be. So you'd be like, honey, I'm. it's part of the game. Exactly. It's the it's sort of like uh, the the modern uh, strip club of our age, but it's you know it's not this. There's no stigma there. You watch these ladies uh, thrust their hips and you know work those big old beautiful muscular thighs, and your wife can't say nothing because it's part of the whole program. And every always, once in a while always, they drop one, right? They flip these girls up in the air like seven times in a row, and sometimes they like just seventy come, feet. Yeah, and they just come crashing down on the head and the neck, and they get, and they get carted off. There's, they're real athletes because you know they agreed to it. Yeah, you know they're the they're good sports. You know they're not afraid to risk their body, much like those brutes chucking the football, shooting the basketball. They put their bodies That's exactly on the line. right. Yeah, I, I I always wanted to know. You got the guys that go out there and they play football when it's snowing. If it's cold for the girls, what do the girls wear? The skirt ain't going to do it. You know, uh, ironically, we just give them less clothing in that situation. And we, oh my god! And we're like, you got to work extra hard. Get that body heat up, miss. Get that. It's a smart. That's a smart idea. It's smart. That's like a, a lot of coaches do that with their players too. Uh, I can just see tell, how like yeah, run around the cold. Just pretend the cold's not bad and you like it. Mind over matter, they say. <laughs> it's like when a kid's getting bullied, and he's like, "No, I like that you're throwing milk cartons at me. I'm taking your power away." Exactly, it, and it well, works every time against those bullies who stop. Well, also the gear has changed over a number of years. I mean, we're talking about football now. Why don't we uh, talk about going? We're gonna begin with football. We'll talk about the history of sports. Uh, we're gonna talk about football, but you like? Well, I think we know, got a few grandparents we're still missing in Brown Snake story. That Doctor Brown Snake story there. Well, well, you want to talk about cheerleaders? We're going to talk about cheerleaders as a whole show. Okay, all right. Well, uh, well doctor, not doing it the whole ahead. show. What do you? What do you don't want to talk about cheerleaders? It's, it's the second best. I thing love to cheerleaders look at just Adam. as much as the next guy. But you know, it's like it's basically a, be- a beauty pageant out on the grass. You watch them for like five minutes. If you talk then, about it, you might see some in your imagination, and that's pretty good. Exactly, you're I mean, you're on the right track there, and uh, you know all of my. All ad- and admittedly, I'm sorry to interrupt. Admittedly, the 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 only time I can become aroused at certain times is I have to, you know, turn on uh, replays and uh, old old videotapes of cheerleader routines while Seven Nation Army is playing. You know, it's just drilled <laughs> into my head. But you know, it can only go on for so long. But please continue, Doctor. Well, the thing is, you know, these generations of my family, they've just slowly been stripping these cheerleaders of their tools, right? They used to have pom-poms. They used to have signs. Eventually, you know, it all devolved down to, like, get out there and shake that ass for us, you know? It's not – It's we're simplifying the business as it goes. And in the future, I hope to revolutionize it, too, with this, I don't know, AI. We can get some Android cheerleaders. Oh, wow. It it could be an exciting era. They'd still be women. 
Well, I mean, they'd have the appearance of women, but they'd be completely composed of circuitry and, you know, sort of uh, petroleum-based, I don't know, plastics. And uh, But they'd look human and they would feel human. And that's the most important part of this. And, and the end game for this at a football game, um, you know, if you have these cheerleaders that are that are made from robots and AIs and stuff like that, then, uh, um, you know, I guess they'd be replaceable. You could take one home maybe after the game. Absolutely. You can, you can buy any cheerleader you see out there on that field. I want to take, I want to take a uh, Becky home. I want to take a uh, uh, Lizzie home and you take Would I home? be able to change their name? Whoa, Lizzie, uh, is she a brunette or blonde? Well, sorry for all the questions. She's actually a redhead, believe it or not. Oh, Ooh, you read my mind. He read uh, my mind. He, uh, real quick, and we might just cut this in post, um, but could you just describe... I'm going to close my eyes and start licking my lips. Could you just describe a cheerleader to me? Well, you see, they've got those big old sleek calves, but those oh, big old hubba, muscular hubba. thighs capable of exerting maximum Tanned. force. Real tan. Boy, oh. howdy. Titanium skulls so that when they land from uh, you know being jerked up in the air, they can land safely atop their head. And sustain that the one doesn't get me going as much, but keep going. <laughs> they have, they have a big old muscular arms, so they can uh, they can. Oh yeah, throw like them China. left and right. Yeah, and they've got they've got pipes of steel, so that they can do the various chants and you know just get the crowd going. Like I like a nice clap, big big crowd clap going. Those girls, you know, I actually teach the history of clapping, it's one of my electives, and uh, <laughs> let's just say it, it's pretty, pretty dense, dense material. Oh, I can imagine there's a lot of uh, a lot of choreography that goes into it, um, the right decibel, where to hit on your palm. Um, it's a, a lot start. of amazing stuff. Well. I, I'd like to thank uh, uh, Argyle for telling us a little bit about these cheerleaders. Uh, I'm, I'm sure more is going to come up as we keep going. Oh, yes. But, uh, uh, Gerald, I think it might be a good time to just start running through some of the various sports and stuff, um, reoccurring stuff we will talk about. Going through some of the history of some of the most ancient sports in America today. Um, starting this one off, talking about football we just got into it with the cheerleaders mm. i'm happy to i mean like this cheerleaders are never on a lot of sports not really so much uh baseball or hockey but you know football and especially in basketball well, you can't have them in baseball they'll get hit by the ball well, well i mean i mean they'd get hit by the later. ball they'd get doinked right there they'd be hit by the ball it's not gonna work in baseball also the games are too long they'd get bored Yes, uh, we'll, talk, we'll talk about. We'll get to baseball, okay? We'll get to baseball. Right now, we're going to focus on on football, uh, going to a little bit of the origins of it, um, what things were like back in the day, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, everyone has an opinion about football. You know, we're, we're me and uh, Coach Torres Stanton we're here in Terre Haute, Indiana. Me personally, though, I'm a Miami Dolphins fan. I've always been a Miami Dolphins fan. Um, I think uh, they're one of the best teams. You know. You know, of all time, ever since I saw Ace Ventura 1, I was mm. hooked. And, uh, you know, everyone has something to say. So we're going to get into that. We're going to nitpick that a little bit, maybe have a little bit heated arguments, but it's probably going to happen with any sport. So let's get into it. So football has been around for a long time, right? Presumably. Longer than us, it, and we're old. We're getting old. I'm, I'm very old. I, I don't have many years left. One foot in the proverbial grave, some would say, but, you know... You know, they just say they're born in what thirty nine, around then. Yeah, they just say you know there's this thing that they don't um, they don't you know give liver transplants to guys you know advanced years as me and you know I was on a list one time, but they say one Michelob Ultra, and they take that thing away from you. Um, it's kind of unfair how life shakes out at some point. You're kind of forced to be confronted with your own mortality and all you really have are these just faded polaroids of days gone by uh kids who won't call you um you know friends that are long dead and um 
Football in the 1920s was really great. It was a great thing. It was more of a college game back then. You know, we talk about all these pro teams then, but it was a lot of the young guys. Everyone would gather around and see these these young guys with the dimples and the boxy chins. You know the one I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And they, everybody was named like Newt or like Crank. And they just bashed each other. They wore these leather helmets on their head, and it was great. But, you know, there really wasn't much of a pro scene. Well, that changed in Ohio, right? That's why they got the Hall of Fame there, stuff like that. You got some of these amateur teams that started paying people, right? Say, we'll get this guy using the Olympics. We'll give him a couple, you know, everything was a nickel back then. They give him a couple nickels. He'll go. He'll get fed. He'll play a football game for us, right? Hmm. Yeah, that's similar to, you know, the kind of compensation system we have for cheerleaders today. So not much has changed in that way. Hmm, I'm sure. You, you, you got to think about how, like, the team started spreading around and diversifying pretty quickly. You know, think about the Tuscaloosa Mudbrains. They won about 30 championships in one year. You know, like, things have been massively, you know, revamped and changed around. Right. Back were- in the day, back in... Back then, the leagues had about 70 teams, okay? And, and the footballs themselves, they were filled with lead beans. And, you know, right. sometimes keep them, the, keep them on the ground, make it hard the, to heavy. The pigskin would burst open in the middle of a play sometimes, and everyone would just slip on the lead beans and hit their head, or they'd get poisoned, and the game would have to go on. You know, dozens of players just puking and keeling over. You know, the coaches, they knew they said it was part of the game. So, there was a lot of say no- that they, they softened the game a little bit. They're definitely, they definitely have. And I believe they're, they're, they've done it too much, in fact. You know, now you've got these big old gaudy pads and these helmets, and you can barely tell what the guy looks like underneath. You can't see the shape of his body, his pecs, his traps. It's all a mystery, frankly. And I say we take the pads off those boys. We take a little look at, you know, what they're packing under there. Some of these guys got visors on, so they're hiding their eyes. They could be high on marijuana playing the goddamn game of football. Mm. We'd never know. And, and, you know, I've proposed you get officers on the field, right? These guys with visors could have anything back there, right? You could have an illegal player just dressing up and putting the visor on, not even be the right guy out there on the field. And there's nothing we can do about it. But people say they don't want to get police officers actually physically on the football field. Um, they say that's more of the referee's job. But I, I, I disagree. Um, it's changed a lot from back in the day. I say we um, arm th- the coaches. No? Is this a, a crazy view? Well, with like a gun? Yeah, you give each coach maybe like a, uh, a sniper rifle, an op, and if the opposing team has a, you know, a, a, a Trojan horse sort of, you know, a man in a visor, you don't know who he is, take him down. Well, what if he, you're wrong? Well, uh, in that case, I don't know, maybe a penalty of 10 to 15 yards. I don't know. I I don't make the rules. That seems about fair. Um, You know, we have to ask these questions now just because all the TVs and stuff have changed the game so much where, you know, we go back to the 20s, right? Uh, uh, Like Gerald said, you know, a league would have 70 teams and a league would have two games in a season and then they just arbitrarily picked a winner and, you know, then that league would fold, and the next year some other Polish guy would, like, invest 75 quarters into starting a new league. It would go through the whole thing over and over again. But we did get some great football players. We got some great teams. Um, you mentioned the Mud Brains, which are legendary. I was a big fan of the Marlboro Loners. Um, first team to ever smoke the whole game. Back then it was encouraged. Um, I like the Rochester Motorcycles were great. Um, the Canton Dipshits, it was a wonderful team back there. Um, yeah, you had, you had the uh, Columbus Polacks, which ironically was the only team without any Polish guys on it. Um, but they were a great team. Um, kind of want to go through here some of my favorite all-stars of the moment. I had to pick just five, the best five players of the oh, 20s. Oh, probably was real hard. It was, I tell you what, going through this, I have to, you know, there's no footage Dan Marino, to look at. number one. Mm. Well, from the 20s, I'm doing the, the golden age of football. Here. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Close, yeah, and right. Dan Marino wouldn't be number one. Dan Marino was, he was pretty good, but like, you know. He's number one. I, You know, I think you might be a bit of a homer there. Triple threat, too. And not necessarily, yeah. not a homer in the sense of like, um, 
you know, you're from Miami, but that I've you been just, to Miami. Yeah, but you've been there. It's not the same. It, 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 um, I'm going to go on to the best quarterback of the 1920s. There was a video game, Grand Theft Auto Vice City, based on Miami. I spent a lot of time playing that game after my son was playing it, and I said, hey, that looks looks a lot like that. I've been, I haven't been there in 10 years, but it looks just like Miami. He said, well, this was based on It's just a fictional. I said, well, you know, what's this about? And he showed me, so. A lot of babes in What there. do you like so much about Miami? Well, I, you know, I mean, you know, what's not to like? Beaches, sun, beautiful women, beautiful men, beautiful women. Uh, you know, the fonts are cool. <laughs> 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 All right. Top five. My number one the quarterback, Jared Gunt. Mm. Big fan of Jared Gunt back there. Wonderful you know, player. Better Great guy. guy. Um, you can see him. I got a picture of him right here. You can see it on Skype here. I watched some of. I watched some uh, some film of him. Great player. All those films of him are you know silent pictures. Well, the the film. Yeah, I mean the film was kind of rough because the film I have seen and it was t- it took place in about thirty six. I think they filmed it, and by then he was forty something years old and really <laughs> sloppy and just honestly like getting the crap knocked out His, of him. He had a fully formed unibrow by that point. Yeah, back th- uh, that was not prime gunt. So I don't want you to judge anything back then. His shoes kept falling off. I don't know why he just finished almost every play without shoes. Either he got hit out of them, or when he was just running, they just came right off, like right off. Like, well, he's also the kicker, so whenever he kicked the go for a kick, it would go flying. Both his shoes somehow would fly off as well. He made the kick and go yeah. right after the ball. Sometimes they'd beat the ball to the field goal. <laughs> yeah, and, it was uh, amazing. He, he uh, sometimes he'd hit some guys in the crowd. Everyone would fight over his shoes. So he's every game he had to buy a new pair of shoes, multiple pairs. He, yeah, he, he ended up costing him a lot. Great shape to him too. He had that big old head. You know, just three solitary strands of hair that kind of crowned over the head. <laughs> And uh, he just looked very interesting. That's what I liked most about the guy. Yeah, he he had a face kind of like a meat packer, you know, because that's what he did when he wasn't playing. A uh, lot of those, a lot of those guys, those players back then. Uh, just to say, like the differences between today and then, is that the the creation of those guys, like whoever whoever's making the the. They're using the the sliding meters whenever they made those players in a wild way. They had wild shaped heads and bodies. Yeah, well, Gunt had that club hand, his left hand, his non throwing hand. The creative player systems back then were much more different. The sliders. You're talking about Vice City. Vice City, like you the sliders exactly. They're just talking about your son's video game. Gunt's left hand looked like just a block, like an early video game kind of like Lego Man hand. You know, right. his left hand, he couldn't grab nothing with it. That's why he had the best stiff arm I ever seen in my life. Some of those guys, you just look at them, you're like, did someone hit randomize on this guy? My God. He looks horrible. But, yeah. I mean, they were great players. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, particularly with Gunt, because he had that eyeliner that just seemed to come out of nowhere. And with, like, the eczema. So it's just like, you know, a poorly designed man, and I suppose we can blame God for that, but good Lord, that guy could run the ball because you were not allowed to throw the ball back then. They said it made it too exciting, and they didn't want any type of people coming to the game that might get too excited. Uh, they were Just right. to keep things safe. Yeah. Nowadays, players do whatever they want, and everyone's freaking out and fighting and killing each other at the game. They're wearing chains and bringing weapons to the game. Mm. I saw I saw a, a football game um, where this player he was obviously distraught, but he began the game. He got the ball immediately, ran it, and he starts shooting people. He's shooting people and killing them, and then he gets to the touchdown. And I don't want to be profane here, excuse the vulgarity, but he gets to the touchdown, he puts the gun to his head, he says, ain't life a bitch? <laughs> he pulls the trigger. And then it turns out it wasn't an actual game, it was a movie, The Last Boy Scout with Bruce Willis. But I said, you know, that's how the game is these days. <laughs> that's how it could be. Mm. It could happen. You're mm. right. And, you know, who's to know if you can blame jeans, men wearing jeans on that, you know? <laughs> But you could, and and if you if I w- if I could stand here right now and blame that on jeans, and no one would stop me. You know, sometimes no I'm, one could stop me. I've got a feeling these guys are wearing jeans under their pants as they're playing the game. I just well, I don't know if it's true. It better not be. 
better not be. I, I I would hope not. I'm I'm getting flop sweat even thinking of the idea of uh, Richard Sherman wearing jeans underneath his pants. <laughs> what happened to Tom Brady's? You know, I know there's only one Tom Brady. But what happened to the Tom Brady's? He's still you know, in he's the like league. the last. He no, I know, but I'm saying like, why isn't there more? Is he like the last guy we're gonna have like that? I hope not. You know, we don't have a lot of uh, all-American guys like that who aren't afraid to lay a big old smooch on their son like they did back dad. in the old days. He's um, not out there listening to rap music. He's not out there saying he wants to get bling in chains, and he's not talking about getting crunk. He He's a, an all-American guy who, you know, God bless him, he's probably the most handsome man in the world, but he's also the best quarterback besides Dan Marino at number two. Mm. And and guys like Tom Brady, Dan Marino, you just don't see them anymore. They're, we're not gonna we're not gonna get another one of these guys because the white guys in this league are dying out. Well, you know, I yeah. 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 Now that you mentioned it, yeah. My, um going back to one of my all stars, um second best player of the nineteen twenties, Mr. Pooch Ass. <laughs> Defensive tackle from the Detroit Suckers. Um, great player there. Uh, he was called the Mountain back then, the biggest guy in the league at five foot three, 180 pounds. Uh, was an absolute force on the line. Nobody could get by him because back then it was illegal for more than two guys to block one guy at the same time, right? And he had easily 10 pounds over every single person on that field. You couldn't stop him, right? He was he was always hitting the quarterback. He was always getting to the back line. A big corn-fed guy. Some people say he could eat two to three slices of bread a game. Uh, lots of legends came from Pooch Ass. Uh, people say stuff like today, you know, Pooch Ass wouldn't be able to even make an NFL roster. And to me, I say that there's something about grit and gumption that, that'll speak more than weight or athleticism mm. or general health would be because Pooch uh. was very sick. He was a very sick man. But, you know, I don't think that would have stopped him from getting into today's NFL. And people don't consider that, you know, they take class into consideration. If you've got class, it makes up for what you may be lacking in uh, the physical department. Oh, he was a class act. Yeah. He was a class act. Absolutely on point, uh, doctor. And when we talk, and the thing is, it's like, you can have class, but you can also have fun. I mean, like, what what's happened to our sports? You can't do anything in it anymore. Like, what happened to be able to smoke and drink beer during a game. Mm. You used to be able to uh, pour a beard on a, a guy's jersey before you pulled it over his head and knocked him out. You used to you used to pour beer on the coach, not Gatorade. You used to be able to jack off in the dugout. Mm. They, they'd tell you to. If you didn't, while you're chewing a big league chew, mixed in with uh, you know, winter green Copenhagen, you know, things have changed. And I think that there's less men in the games. Yeah. And there's you- more boys and even you know, call them ladies. I'm not afraid to say it. You want to? You want to silence me? This is my show. Come after me. Come on to my show. I'll talk to you about it. It used to be anything goes under that dog pile there. When you got like five or six guys down there wrestling for the ball, right? They'd be pinching. They'd be pinching each other's little butts. Be they'd, sucking each other's nipples. They'd be grabbing them. They'd be squeezing each other. They'd be they'd be massaging be, each other's toes. Some were known to to you anything know, start to going. Someone head. would start going. They would just start going in the pile to get a guy off them. They start flicking his nuts. They'd start grabbing. They'd start just punching. They just punch guys in their little butts. And back then, that was just accepted. Nobody they'd you take know out took a rolling to it. pin and start bashing each other on the head. Guys would have knives just in their pants, and they'd bring them out at the bottom of the pile, and they'd say, who wants it? Who wants it? And, you know, these guys these guys would all go out drinking together after the game. It was just understood how it was back then. All right, number three on my lineup here, I got uh, Jacob the Polak Tomkowski running back. Mm. He broke a lot of barriers uh, in the early, you know, kind of football leagues that they had going back then. He was the first Polish man. He really... Um, Broke through. I am a Polish man myself and um, really did a lot for our people. Um, any Polish neighborhood, any major city you go to, there's going to be a Tomkowski day where we're going, we're eating our pierogies, we're screwing up light bulb stuff. Um, we're just celebrating the culture. And um, 
you know, a lot of people don't know this, but there used to be a Polish football league. Uh, this was before the Negro League. And don't get mad at me. That's what they called it back then. Don't get mad at me. That's what they wanted it to be called, right? And so they had a Polish football league because Polish kids apparently hit puberty at too young an age, and they were dangerous to play the game with. Um, so honestly, Polish guys were the original black guys when it came to sports. You well, know? well, I mean... We were, top, we were top dog back then. Once we got in there, we well, were well, top well, dog. All right, all right, all right. Okay, well... We're built... Very structurally. Next guy, next guy, next guy. Uh, the next guy up here is a is a is a Hall of Famer a linebacker, Portly Pete Bitch. Uh, he was the nastiest mofo in town. Um, always drove to the games in that big black car that was belching smoke. You know, chomping on his iconic cigar, yelling at all the players' wives, and you know what? He talked a big talk, but when he got on the field, right? He he was uh overweight gentleman but he could run like a goddamn you know deer and basically he was kind of the originator of the blitz because he really wasn't capable of he had a a lot of uh cauliflower ear right and so his ear just kind of looked like ground meat that had just been like packed in there so the coach would just be like put your head down run at somebody as fast as you can and he did that every single play and he screamed the whole time just ah just running at whoever it was quite a sight and he usually barreled into guys taking out about two or three of them never the got of a his, single tackle but by the know. end of the by the end of his career his whole cauliflower ear took over his entire head the whole thing was just you know it was like a a, a pulpless mass it was disgusting like a uh, it looked like uh, the guy uh, from Blade. Yeah, like, like he, he looked just, like like Donal Logue in mid like sloth from the Goonies. It just looked crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was it was a lot of uh, just cystic tissue that nobody the Elephant really... Man basically. The thing I remember yeah, about him is uh, he used to run at the cheerleaders with his hands out in a <laughs> grabbing formation, and he'd say "Gimme, gimme," and he'd just run at him. And, you know, it takes a guy with class to be able to get away with something like that. The thing about you think that people don't understand about cheerleaders is they love to be chased. (laughs) He's he's the originator of the phrase me likey. (laughs) Now, he would say that all the time at all the women. He'd see me like and he would draw. Why don't don't we move along? We want to get on to the other sports. So, well, I got one last guy here to round up my top fine. I got William, the delicate gentleman sizeman, and he really is the originator of finesse in football. Uh, groundbreaking, brown, groundbreaking wide receiver was just so afraid. You know, he was noted for his cowardice of getting tackled or anything like that. He never once got tackled in a single game. Right, he would dance around everyone, and sometimes he would make the plays last 20, 30 seconds because he would catch a ball and then run backwards to avoid contact and then keep running backwards and find a way to run forward. And you know, usually running out of bounds before he can get any contact or getting a touchdown. But uh, he had that iconic kind of gait where he kind of walked, you know, like, like the John Lennon pictures of like the hippie that's walking really long strides. This is kind of like uh, Seisman there. He was just, he had a big handlebar mustache, was always waxing it, taking those big loping strides like an elk all the way to the end zone. The thing I remember about him is how long games would take simply because they had to coax him out of the stairwell every single quarter. He would run and he'd hide and he'd kind of he'd kind of tremble beneath the he giant would faint. staircase. He would faint before games because he didn't want to go out. He was so scared. They had to kind of like lure him out with the treats, and you know the cheerleaders would come and say, you know, like we'll give you a kiss if you come out here. And and he wanted it, but he was so shy he'd, he'd faint blush. again. And yeah, then, he'd blush, he'd hide again, and, uh, then he'd hide from the cheerleaders, and we'd have to make the cheerleaders leave to come get him to come back out. And uh, they went had the through, cheerleaders block the exits so he couldn't run away again. They went through so many, so much smelling salts in that man's career. <laughs> you could fill a goddamn stadium with that stuff. The whole budget for smelling salts was through the roof, and uh, even for that time, when it was uh, you know very cheap. But uh, why don't we move along? We're going to talk about baseball, um, one of my favorite sports, one of the top sports there is, in my opinion. Um, great game, the the great American pastime, um, bubble gum, beer, tobacco, chewing tobacco, peanuts, all that. Uh, Cracker jacks, um, Cracker jacks, yeah. Pine so tar. Very, f- <clears throat> very first baseball player 
was in 1864. It was a Union soldier. His name was Bucko Lovely, and uh, he'd walk around. He'd walk around and uh, he'd carry a giant chicken leg, and he'd hit old cans around camp. He'd toss them up and smack them in the air. He would hit so many cans, you know, the other soldiers in the camp, they started catching the cans. And uh, they'd play for rations or extra servings of barn beer. And uh, that was how, like, uh, baseball kind of came into existence. But it wasn't until 1869, the very first official baseball team was compromised of primarily chimpanzees. They were uh, the Cincinnati Monkey Boys. And... uh, uh, unfortunately, due to the great tragedy, which everyone's familiar with, they all died um, during a game um, due to the fans all shooting them. But uh, you know that was it was it was set in stone. You know, baseball would be you know. Well, uh, my favorite thing about the history of baseball, the most interesting thing to me, is that the the phrase "you're out." Well, that was considered. The most awful, that was like the F.U. of the time. If you said that casually, somebody would, you know, get on your nerves. You'd say, you're out. You're out of here. Right. And that made its way into the actual rules of baseball, where it was such a considered such an evil thing, a bad thing to get out, that the umpire would be the most hated man constantly yelling, you're out. And men would shiver when they got out. They would shiver. The, the thing about baseball is that for uh, it's it. it, it uh, marked a time for to, for American men where they didn't even have to see. Every American man just had a big old baseball cap pulled down. You couldn't even see their eyes. It was just their nose and their chin showing a giant wad of something. You can never see their eyes. You know, my favorite I, thing I, about I, baseball is that dang big league chew. I can't get enough of this stuff. Chewing some right now. But, I can see that. that uh, blowing a, quite a big bubble there. I hope it doesn't end up getting all over your lapel there. That reminds me, if your cheerleaders were chewing some gum and blowing big bubbles, I'd probably melt. Oh, if they're wrapping the, the gum around the finger as they kind of twist it around looking at you? maybe Snapping it, bubbles, and popping it. Oof. Maybe calling you big boy or something. Hey, big boy. You know, we're Except, trying you know, to get saying to it in a more like feminine that. way. The thing is about now, cheerleader- cheerleaders in baseball. No, go ahead. Uh, in in Nihon with Japan, they actually have cheerleaders at baseball games. They bring them out between innings and they let them do their little dances, and they bring them back into the dugout so they can be safe and sound. And I don't see why we can't do that in America because American baseball, uh, I'm frankly I'm closing my eyes while they're actually playing. I'm slurping my bat soup. I have little to no regard for what's happening on the field at any time. I mean, the, they try to get people to pay attention with, like, sausage races or something. But what the heck? What the heck am I watching? What the heck is that? Get some girls out there. Well, I'm thinking about the cheerleaders. Don't put them in the dugout. Let them come up in the stands. Let them sit with me. Let, them, let, let me talk their ear off a little bit. <laughs> you know, the, the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders, they don't get paid anything. But, you know, they're encouraged. You know, go up to this suite and talk with yeah. my friend. He's a millionaire. He's a pedophile, but he'll still like you. But I'm you could cut that. But you get the gist. Like things, things for cheerleaders could be a lot better. But you know, things for the fans could be a lot better too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they definitely could consider that at the very least. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I wish uh, Commissioner Bud Selig would maybe say like, we are considering having cheerleaders that don't stay on the field but wander around the stadium talking to old <laughs> men. And I'd say, thank you. Finally, we're being heard. The fans are being heard. Yeah, the thing is that you're kind of walking a line at that point as to what a cheerleader actually is, and that's exactly what my field of study has uh, been. It's bringing to that precipice where they're not escorts but they share a lot of similarities with escorts uh and we 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 seek to solve that with that android problem you can buy a cheerleader bring it to the game put your arm around it give it a little smooch on the lips and nobody will bat an eye they'll think it's cool look at you know this guy's dating a cheerleader what he's the man yeah, and the thing, you'll never even know it's not a, a human being. It's got an Intel Celeron processor. It's running at full speed, whirring. The fans are going uh, all crazy. And you're just sipping a beer watching the baseball game. Could you play Vice City on her? Well, if you oh, lift her shirt, there is a small SLS, LCD display, not LSD. But you can game. There's a keyboard under her skirt. It's just going to be very, very difficult to uh, do these things in public. Like at an airport, maybe? 
Yeah, you'd want to keep that in the in the bedroom. I uh I had a a tailor. He made me a Tommy Versetti shirt. And uh <laughs> he made the first one. I said, you know, it's not blocky enough, doesn't look like the game and he said, Well, it's because it's clothing. I said, Well, you know, starch it up a little bit, you know, make it right. I mean you know, by the third one, you know, as you can see, I'm wearing it right now. It's perfect. It looks great. Yeah, it doesn't even move. It's like paper mache. But uh, anyway, we're gonna, what do we want to talk about? Uh, uh, well, what are the what are the sports we got here? We got hockey. Oh, we got hockey. Okay, uh, really quick. Hockey. Hockey was invented in Winnipeg, Canada, during the Great Blizzard of World War One. Uh, the Canadian soldiers were bored on leave during the war, and there was a soldier there named Gord Martin. Mm. And uh, he would smack beer cans around the camp for fun, shoot them in between trees. And uh, soon other soldiers, you know, wearing barrels around their bodies, would start blocking the cans. And then they would just beat the hell out of each other, and that's how hockey was made. Um, why don't we move on to basketball? Yeah, I mean, that's that's all she wrote on hockey. I'm not a big hockey guy. It's too cold. Indeed. The, the girls don't want to stay. They won't get on the ice. They'll slip hey, and those, fall everywhere. Those girls should go down there and just to cheer, cheer uniforms, and then, uh, we'll know when it's cold. It's too cold for them. <laughs> Let them slide oh. around the ice a little bit. <laughs> I think we're on different pages Yeah, they should, they should be the puck, right? Wait, I, no, I, I don't think that, uh, you know, I, I think maybe perhaps with that one, we should just do the baseball strategy of what? instead of them being cheerleaders, they're just women that go in, around the stadium talking. Well, we get men. to basketball. Basketball. Basketball is actual cheerleaders. Hockey does not. Hockey is for primarily uh, drunk guys, which is right. fine. But like you said, it's too cold. Uh, basketball was invented in 1891. By Dr. Jim's basketball. And he invented this sport because he was addicted to making different new games. You think of the idea today. Um, if somebody came up to you and was like, hey, I created a new game. I'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? A oh, new well, game. We got language. so many new games. What the heck are you talking about a new game? You know, oh, well, this one, we're going to take a, a disc and we're going to throw it. Um, and you got to hit the brick in the center, and there's all these rules, and I just made this up. I'd say, you're a little freak. Well, that was Dr. Jim's basketball. He wanted to make hundreds of new games, thinking of kind of like uh, it's a numbers game. Uh, one of these games is going to stick. And he was right. He made basketed ball, that's what it was called back then, where you got 20 people on each team, and you would set up two peach baskets and give them soccer balls and tell them, just get it in there. And he didn't even plan far ahead enough to think about how to get the, you know, the ball out of the basket. Um, you know, there was a lot of weird, antiquated rules. Like, you weren't allowed to smell anybody while it was going on. Everyone had to wear these super thin satin shorts. Um, you weren't allowed to touch anybody. You couldn't kick the ball. You couldn't punch it. You couldn't bite anybody. Um, the referee, which was always him, is allowed to touch any player he wants at any given time. And it, you know, it, it, it was a rough development. But, you know, it, it progressed and got a lot of traction because it was the only game that had been thought of that you could play inside of a indoors at the time. You know, mm. and so as it progressed into the 1910s, the 1920s, it started to be taken more seriously. Um, and it was more of an artistic game back then, I would say, than, than the game you got now, which is a lot of guys that are sweaty running at each other. Um, hitting each other, hitting the ball, fouling, shooting these gaudy long shots. Like, like have some dignity, but you shoot that long shot. It's embarrassing. Like, showing off boastful shots. You know, you could get a technical foul back then just by saying harumph, you know? <laughs> if you said harumph too loud, the ref would get you. Dr. Jim's basketball. He was the only ref until about 1930. Because um, there were so many rules. After he died, they basically rewrote the whole thing. <clears throat> what was what I found interesting that the, there weren't wood panel floors. It was all completely linoleum tile for the courts. Yeah, and it was actually in the rule. He said no wood, absolutely no wood. And everyone was like, "Why can't we play on wood?" There's a lot of gyms that have wood floors. Like, like why can't we do that? And he's like, "I'm not going to tell you. It's got to be linoleum. I'm not going to tell you. I don't have to tell you. I'm Doctor Jim's basketball." Doctor, can you 
tell us about when they introduced cheerleaders to basketball? Uh, well, they kind of uh, snuck in around the 60s, the 70s, and again, it was mostly men. Ah, the times, they are changing. Yeah. That's when all the hippie weirdos forgot. But you know, a lot of stuff changed. I'd say basketball is closer to a fully realized, uh, you know, modern cheerleader sort of zeitgeist where they get out there, they don't waste any time, they start doing their twerk dances, and then they leave. Uh, but I think my problem with basketball as a sport is, like you said, they're shooting from 40 feet out or they're dunking it. I want them to get close, but not too close. Maybe like a yeah. uh, mid-range jumper and no further, no shorter. Play it like a gentleman. Play it with class like they used to. And, and the don't shot- be making up. Don't be jumping up there and like shoving it in there like some kind of thug, you know, with your chain bouncing off the rim. I don't want to see that. You know, have you a little bit it, of dignity. It's too easy if you dunk it. And if you're shooting from that far, it's too hard. I can't do that at home. So it's like, why do I ever want to play that? You know, G- give me something in the middle here. And uh, back then, that's kind of how it was. You know, people, um, there was no shot clock. The shot clock encourages a lot of like aggressive behavior, I feel like, because it's like, oh, no, I got to shoot it or I'm going to get a penalty. But back then, you could really, you know, marinate, let the game marinate, pass it around till you get a nice, wide-open 13-foot jumper. And, like, oh, you would only get one of the most games ended 1-0. Uh, first no, of up all, until... Up until the like the eighties, I mean the the basketball was pure solid plastic. You know, you really had to use power to bounce that thing. Um, and then some genius, you know, came up with the idea. You know, why don't we inflate it with air? And everyone said, you know, you know, excuse me, let's get the fuck out of here. Like you yeah. crazy? Um, he was a Jewish fellow, and he was a genius. Not and, that that uh, matters. A lot of people. Well, that was a plus for him because you know. You know, it changed the game. So, what was they talking about? Like, I got some all stars here that I kind of want to go over. These, this is like to me the top five basketball players of all time, which all just happened to be from the 1920s. Um, kind of going over this list. Uh, this one I don't have in order. This is just five guys at, at every position I feel were the best at every position. And so, the Hall of Fame center. From 1923, Eugene Ruggles, standing at six foot one, he was known as the Tower. And, you know, this guy, nobody could score on this guy. He was just this imposing figure that just swatted everything away. Uh, I mean, you see guys like Anthony Davis today, right? And they're considered to block a lot of basketballs. But not as much as the tower. Even though he was six one, he would get up there and he'd he'd have easily more blocks in the NBA today. He could not dribble the ball. He would, didn't need to. You know, it, it it wasn't required for him. He'd sit down in the low post and he'd just get down there and he'd just swat at stuff, kind of like an. He didn't speak much English. You know, kind of had a brain thing. But you know, he was exactly what the game needed at that time. Uh, just the biggest guy on the court. My favorite thing about him was that. He wasn't wearing jeans under his shorts like so many players do today. So, yeah, they could be. Now that they have those airtight leggings, you don't know if they're wearing jeans under there. I'm constantly looking in. I got my binoculars on at the game. I'm trying to see if I can see the kind of the, the they hem. Have, they, have their, they have their car keys attached to their belt loop. And that's like, imagine that. Yeah, that's true. Or they could you just. Know, you got you to gotta know when to dress. You know, I was. Uh, doctor, I, you know, just last month I was down in my, uh, Miami where the Dolphins play and I got to, you know, hang out with the cheerleaders there. I was, you know, it's sunny out. I was wearing my, you know, my Gildan shirt, my Gildan shorts down to my underwear. <laughs> I was wearing Gildan and that's appropriate wear because I was casual. I was relaxed. I got to take pictures with them. You can see on their website, me and all those pictures posing full Gildan. And you know, that's, that's fine. But when you're out there, you're on the court, when you have, Millions of young men looking up to you as an icon. You should not be having earrings. Mm. You should not be having tattoos. You should not be talking about bottle service in the middle of a game. I'm sick of seeing that. A lot of the players today have their cellular telephones in the pocket of the basketball shorts while they're playing. It's like, where's your mind at? And you know, these guys they talk about like, well, I need this, I need that. You got to remember. Some of the greatest athletes of all time had disabilities. They didn't let define them or lessen their talents. 
bigger struggles than the, what these guys are dealing with. Michael Jordan had an extra toe. Wayne gets Wayne <clears throat> Wayne Gretzky had two assholes. Yeah. Barry mm. Bonds had chronic hives. Rex Grisman had half his brain removed as a child. And he's one of the best quarterbacks there's ever been. All right, number two on my list, I'm going back to point guard, to the one, right? And the original Steph Curry himself, Duncan Weller, four foot five. He was the first stretch one in basketball. He was a threat to pass from anywhere on the court. You get right from the chest. He shot it out. It was like Megatron. Just blasted out of there. The best chest pass you've ever seen in your life. And you know what? He hit the triple threat stance. You can shoot. That would be selfish. You could pass. It's the right move to do. Or you could dribble the ball, preferably on your way to passing it. But Duncan Weller was a legend. You know, he could, he could get the ball to anyone. He could make any pass in the game. Was afraid to shoot the ball. You know, nobody wanted to be seen back then as like, you know, oh, you think you'll make the shot? Like, who are you? We got all this time, you know. But, you know, he was the best point guard of all time to me. You know, um, those were the golden days where, you know, guys only had maybe one, two inches vertical leap. You know, they didn't need to fly through the air to show off or think, right. have people think they're cool. Uh, they can stay completely It was a calcium shortage. Here. It was dangerous. Indeed. You know, these guys, if their shoelaces... They're, they're carting off people, you know, four people a game because they just bust both ankles simultaneously. Yeah, you see these I mean, guys now, they jump so high. It's like, oh, I dropped my gun. I dropped my chain. And... <laughs> And it's just a lot to handle. Yeah, they're doing that. It's fall. Oh, it, it, much different time. Much it, different time. It fell out of my jeans. <laughs> less class. So much less class. All right, coming in at my small forward spot, Frankie French at five foot seven, the demon. He was famous. He he kind of broke new ground in bat. He was the first guy to shoot the ball, and he all. And the second he got the ball, he shot it. Just just flung it up. Right, but he was groundbreaking for people actually watching the game because they would just yell, "Pass it to Frankie, pass it to Frankie," and he'd shoot. And it didn't go in that much, but sometimes it did, and that was a big deal back then. Um, wasn't afraid to do it. Um, a lot of hatred around the league. A lot of the other players would rough him up. Um, even during games, would attack him for having the audacity to shoot the basketed ball. Um, Particularly because nobody knew how to get up there and get it out. So when they did score, it was like game over, you know. They'd be like, Frankie, you know, we were supposed, we have the gym booked for two hours and you scored in 30 minutes after taking your 10th shot. And, you know, we have to, you know, rough you up now. And he'd say, I understand, fellas. I just, I just, ha- I just did it for the love of the game. You know, all-time points leader back then. Scored seven points in one season. He had that uh, that killer shooting percentage, right? What was it? The two percent, one percent, something. It was like? around. It was it was about one point three percent here. Um, led the league in it. Uh, would just shoot it from half court sometimes. Um, the other thing is back then they would do the they would do the flood at random times during a the game. They would just flood the court with water about an inch or two, but the guys had to play through that. Yeah, especially if like somebody was using the toilet and it would just start, and they'd be like, "It's not supposed to do that till you know." But it wasn't much you can do back then. Um, so coming out of my power forward, I got Henry Libby, uh, the legend, they called him. Um, he's the only NBA player to have a career shooting percentage of 100%. He's one for one, took one got one point, um, passed the ball nearly every time he got it. In fact, the only time... He scored. He was trying to make a difficult pass across the court, and it just so happened to win in. And he was so <laughs> embarrassed. I mean, I uh, he was so embarrassed. He started whipping himself all, during the game, took his jersey off and started whipping his back, screaming. Um, and the guys, they still weren't understanding. He thought him a showboat. They said he was passing on purpose, and... It's kind of a tragic thing. He was he was the greatest power forward to ever live, but he killed himself right after that game. And it makes sense, you know, it's if you commit something you commit an act like that, scoring in a gentleman's sport when it's not warranted, I'd say good riddance to you. Even if it cements you in the history books as one of the greatest players ever, it's your time to go. 
Yeah, it, it was to be mentioned as a great back then was embarrassing for most guys, you know. But um, I, I I save the greatest, uh, the Michael Jordan of the 1920s. I think he was better than Michael Jordan today. Um, to really, me, okay. I think he is the best basketball player of all time. My last pick at shooting guard, standing at five foot six, was Ernest Hitler. <laughs> And you got to keep in mind the name wasn't it wasn't a big deal. It was before the guy. It was before that. Ever you know Hitler used yeah, to be synonymous with I mean, you, you got to explain that you know it's basketball. 1920s. And and that guy in the forties came and he he messed that whole thing up mm. for Ernest Hitler. Uh, now people don't even want to mention him as one of the greatest of all times because they don't want to be confused and think that you're saying that like the the guy that killed all the Jewish people and the gypsies that he's the best basketball player of all time. That's quite you know insensitive, and people don't want to get in that conversation. So Ernest Hitler gets completely lost, but he was the very first guy to dribble between his legs, right? He was the he called it a pass to himself. Right, which pe- blew people's minds. Right, he was the very first guy to consider stealing the ball. Back then, you just were patiently, you know, moving your defense around as they patiently moved their all. He was the first guy to say, you know, you didn't do well enough, you know, so I'm going to take that, and maybe next time you'll try harder. Typically, he gave the ball back after that, but he he liked to lecture people. He's like, you didn't, you didn't do a proper chest pass your elbows didn't extend all the way and your wrist didn't flare at the end he was a big guy on the wrist flare so uh ernest hitler he was a legend back then um you know absolutely absolutely you know he was the only guy with a ladder so he got invited to every game to get the ball out if if uh you know frankie threw it in (laughs) so you know he, he was a good sport inside and outside of the game and he is a legend and i think the best basketball player to ever live now, we wanted to do a cover a few other things. Um, I don't think we really have time. I mean, there's sports like NASCAR. You know, everyone drives a car every day. Who cares? Boxing, invented in, like, you know, the biblical ages. Well, NASCAR used to just be running until we got cars. Said, I could do this way faster in a car. Yeah, but, you know, there was less death, less drunk driving. You know, Dale Earnhardt, you know, was tanked. Um, so not a lot of class. Uh, we had he was soccer. probably wearing jeans under his driving outfit. If I had to bet, you know, you know he was sponsored I, by a jean company for that very same race. The first race he had you know for what? Levi's. Right. Well, as I understand it, and during his op- autopsy, you know his body was burnt to a crisp, but the the medical examiner said his Confederate flag underwear was perfectly intact. <laughs> <laughs> probably protected I, by those jeans <laughs> he was probably wearing under there, like the thug he was. We could we could we could go on about we could talk about like soccer, you know. Bunch of guys with highlights done up in their hair and earrings, like the damn Backstreet Boys, kick a ball around. They cry in the grass if someone breathes on them. You know, not much to say. And at the know. beaches, they wear such crazy swimsuits. Not like you know the shirt swimsuit that we wear here. They with, wear like thongs. Yeah, here we all wear that red and white horizontal striped <laughs> shoulder. To we wear swim caps. Yeah, shoulder to knee swimsuit, horizontal red and white stripes with our big swim caps and two big uh, 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 sunscreen dollops on our rosy red cheeks. That's how we swim classy in America. And whatever happened to the, the zinc on the nose? I mean, we used to do that big old dab right there. And it would last you all day. And I'm pretty sure no one even knew what that was for. We just kind of did it because the first guy did. I mean, uh, I've never seen zinc before in my life, but, you know, I'm doing it on my nose every day before I go out. And those hula hoops. Don't get me started on those hula hoops. The thing I hate about the beach is when that crab comes up from behind me and starts pulling down my pants. Because that (laughs) seems to happen every time I go to the beach. Well, when it does it to the ladies, hello. You know, everyone, all the boys gather around the dune with a pair of binoculars. They're all fighting over to check that out. We're oh. snacking. I feel like that crab anyway. only comes for me, though, and it's it seems pretty unfair. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got a we got a big day actually today. Today is the Super Bowl. Oh yeah, we got We're a boogie. To the Super Bowl. Um, I know, Doctor. Uh, Dr. Argyle, uh, you were very excited for the halftime show in particular. The cheerleaders are going to be dancing while the Black Eyed Peas play again. 
uh, I understand that they finally, you know, released their restraining order against Fergie after they kicked her out of the band for peeing herself. And uh, we're looking forward to that show. We're looking forward to this this game. Um, during our show on the radio, we're going to be playing an ESPN Classic. What are we going to be playing, uh, uh, Coach Staten? All right, we're going to be game? playing the best Super Bowl of all time. Um, it was in 1942. Um, basically, it was like a reunion tour of all these guys that used to play before all the young guys had to go uh, fight in World War II with John Wayne. And so we got it, it's a Super Bowl that's basically all 50-year-old men um, with like half of their feet and like uh, missing fingers and uh, liver damage. And it really is the classiest game of all time because you can watch everything that happens because they're moving at like the perfect speed to like be able to see the nuances of like, oh, you see that there? That's a chop block because, you know, in five seconds, he's going to hand the ball off and in 10 seconds, he's going to be five yards down the field. So it's really kind of for numbers, guys, to see what's going on. Um, I will not be watching the Super Bowl again. Um, out of protest that, um, well, you know, uh, it's basically, you know, some weed cities, marijuana cities that are playing. And I just want nothing to do with that. I don't want to get a contact high from watching these these guys go around. So I I don't want any part of that. I'll be stick with my 1942 Super Bowl. Thank you very much. You know, when those black eyed peas play, everybody's going to be lighting up. So it's even more dangerous. Yeah, you know, everybody's going to be wearing, you know, the visors again, and I'm going to be out there on the sidelines going, you know, get the police on there. They they could have any colored eyes under there, you know, and check them for jeans while you're at it, and everyone's going to ignore me again. Anyway, I think our bus is almost here, uh, so so let's get moseying on, guys. Uh, Argyle, you coming with us, or are you going to meet us there? Well, uh, I believe that first I uh, have to finish this bowl of bat soup, and then i got to tell my roommate Raj that I'll be leaving for the weekend. Uh, but I should be able to get there by sundown. I'm going to be uh, riding a bicycle. <laughs> okay, we'll see you there. I'll look out for the bicycle. I assume it has a horn, and you will be followed very closely by a crab. Uh, For everyone, thanks for listening. This has been Class Act, the generational football time of a good old-fashioned black-and-white photograph for you to enjoy with your family and to show some bored children that maybe this is how they would play if they respected people that knew more than them. Thank you very much. My name has been Coach Atorva Staten. We have been joined by Argyle Brownsnake and my co-host, Gerald Geranium. Thanks for listening, everyone. You have a great day. Zuski Campanella talking baseball.